0: all right you're now tuned in to the follow through with clips and drew the true players podcast episode 196 backs against the wall again clippers game six tonight win or go home both superstars in the eastern conference are out trey young's hurt Giannis is hurt who's gonna win that series we're gonna break down both series for you it's the follow through with clips and drew drew give me that intro music what up podcast world what's up everybody you know what it is you know where you're at it is the follow-through with clips and drew the true players podcast episode 196 i'm not sure how this podcast is going to age it's either going to age very well or it's going to (laughs) be very bad this is the last thing i've wanted to do it has been um our scheduling issues i was on vacation this past week drew's been trying to join the pga tour as of lately um but we're about we're we're literally an hour and 6 minutes away from game 6 clippers um suns a lot has happened in this past week and i we just had to for you guys drop a quick pod to talk about like everything that's been going on and it has been once again an emotional roller coaster all week i had to watch game 5 excuse me Game four, I had to watch at Buffalo Freaking Wild Wings in San Luis Obispo nice. because I was on vacation with my family. If you guys remember, it was my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. They did not
1: have a heart attack. My dad was close. Yeah, I saw your video, man. You made a nice video about that. I thought that, was, that the, his reaction was great they they had no idea my dad thought it was a dog like he's like god
0: damn it they're going to get oh. me a dog Did and they then, buy Ma- me a dog <laughs> mm-hmm. and mom had no idea whatsoever and mom just we were getting so worried about her cuz she, normally she's home at 5 4:30 but she stayed late at work and we're like dude mom, get home. We got a surprise for you. Anyways, had to watch that game in St. Louis Obispo at a Buffalo Wild Wings. So we took the L. I blamed it all on myself, but I kind of just want to focus on the last game, Drew. We can go back to a few other, to the other games in a second, but I want to talk about game five. Um, it's funny. Two of my friends who I haven't seen in a very long time, Maurice Atkins, one of my best friends ever. And then my other homie, Tony, both from Arizona One's a diehard Laker fan, and one is a legit Phoenix Suns fan. And isn't it funny that they chose to be like, hey, I want to come down and watch Game 5 with you, right? I want to come because they they wanted me to lose. They wanted the Clippers to lose, and they wanted to be here for it, (laughs) right? Well, hey,
1: the weather's much nicer this time of year out here than it is in in Phoenix as well. Oh, it's a a beautiful 72 degrees right now. Yeah, exactly.
0: I had the homies over. Look, before we get into this, I want to say one thing. Whatever happens tonight, Drew, in game six, whatever happens tonight, I have to say this, that I am so proud of the Clipper team. I am so happy to be a Clipper fan, man. This has been the most exciting playoffs and devastating playoffs i've ever been a part of okay um the resiliency of this squad the fact you know no zubak no problem no ibaka no problem no Kawhi, no problem they don't sulk they're not pissed about it they're not placing blame anywhere we're going out there and playing our asses off in actuality in a weird world this series should have been over like we should already be done waiting on the eastern conference finals but unfortunately it doesn't happen like that so before i get into my thoughts of the game drew I want you to give me yours.
1: Well, yeah, this was the Marcus Morris first half that we've been waiting for. Right. Mm -hmm. Game five. He's like, you know what? Maybe I'll hit some shots today. And he came out and that was a huge lift and an unexpected lift. We know that he's been kind of hampered with some sort of knee soreness. I think is what you you told me last time. Yep. Sore knee. uh, And he was playing like shit. And then all of a sudden, boom, right when you needed it. Huge injection of offense. He was like six for seven in that first quarter. All back to the basket too, just giving Booker the money. To get the all, but all business. of them were good shots, and like that, none of it didn't seem like he was forcing shit. It was just nice, good, good basketball being played. And then the you know the stellar performance of Reggie Jackson continues. This guy is uh, outrageous. He's playing you, so good. Can you call him by his uh, nickname,
0: please, Drew? That's how we refer to him uh,
1: now. Uh, big Government. Big Thank Government. You. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Big Government. Reggie Jackson, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, I mean, the big story is Paul George, Paul George, 40 piece, 75% from the field, 50% from three, hundred percent from the free throw line. He did everything right. I mean, he had six turnovers and, you know, at times those, those were like, oh man, but none of that that, those six turnovers did not hinder his performance. You guys dominated this game. And I was, I was really surprised by how it all unfolded, um, with Zubac being out, I thought I thought it was going to be like a really heavy task because Aiden was has been so active and you know so disruptive to your small ball lineup. But I Tyloo again with the adjustments, we we continue to say it, but it has to be mentioned he doesn't start Batum, he leaves Batum out, which was what was working in Utah, and goes with you know T man and and this other like kind of weird lanky. How- do you think it's the smallest lineup
0: ever started in a Western Conference Finals? Your <laughs> team man Reggie Jackson, Pat Bev, Mook, and PG. We're talking two point, three point guards and two forwards.
1: Carry on. Right. I'm sorry. Right. No. I mean that's true though. But but it is amazing how Terrence handles Ayton a little, a lot differently than than Batum does, and then having Morris on there as well. I just thought that that tweak because naturally you go, okay, we'll get Batum in, and that's the lineup that worked. But in that first, I think it was the very first game, it, it just was like not happening. Batum was too, uh, I think, just a little too thin, a little too skinny to handle uh, Aiton on those, on those drops and things like that. So anyway, I thought that, that Paul George game was phenomenal. That was the, the Paul George game, the signature Paul George game of the playoffs. He's been fantastic. I mean, he's setting, he's on lists now that, that include like, what was that list that Kobe, I saw? That, Michael, KD. 20-plus. 20 plus points for each of the 18 games that, that, that he's played in the playoffs like that. He's in elite territory here. So, I mean, that right there is just the icing on the cake. Like you said, man, even if the Clippers lose this series tonight or lose it in a game seven, uh, Paul George should not be the scapegoat here. And the fact that you guys are still in this series and possibly going to tie it up tonight without Kawhi playing a single minute. It is a testament to how fucking scrappy this basketball team is. This I, never say die Clipper team, which I've never said about a Clipper team before.
0: I there. It's just every. It's something new every single game, man. And again, like two of these games should have been won. The Clippers should have won these games. So, and uh, you know, again, repeating ourselves, we've seen this team enough. Right now, we're going into Game Six. Nothing. There's not going to be any surprises from Phoenix or anything. We know who they are, right? And they know who we are. All that matters is who's going to play harder and make more buckets, right? And the one person you forgot to fail to you failed to mention was Patrick Beverly and the mm-hmm. defense that he's been playing and the rebounds that he's been doing. Now, what I saw in game 5 was those those second chance balls, those long balls, those offensive rebounds that we, we really didn't go for, we were going for everything. That's why Ayton didn't get as many rebounds as, as or, or the offensive rebounds that he was he was used to getting. Pat Beverly was in every single play. I kind of want to talk about the flagrant on Beverly, which was not a flagrant. And then it goes to review and even Steve Jabby's like, no, that's not a flagrant foul. Like he's not trying to do anything malicious. He's fighting through a screen. Chris, look, man, I, again, Jay Crowder, Chris Paul, these guys are falling on every single three pointer they're shooting. Literally every single three pointer they're shooting. They're they're trying to go for the, the, the four point play instead of trying to take a really good three point shot. So Patrick Beverly gets the flagrant, which at the time was a really bad call, like really bad call. It was a five point play, Drew. Five points they got on that. And then Jay Crowder legit gets Paul George right in the face,
1: right in the face. and doesn't even go to review, just a standard foul. What, what do you think about that? Well, the, I, I'll tell you, man, the, the, the difference is the aesthetics of the, of the Chris Paul foul, like the Patrick Beverly foul on Chris Paul, right? Because he got so high in the air. It was just really awkward. I don't think any of that was intentional. I mean, yes, I expect Beverly to make contact with anybody that's going to go around a screen like he's going to do that. He's going to he's going to make contact with the screener. He's probably going to make contact with the ball handler. He's just going to fight through that screen. And then the way that Chris jumped and the momentum from after Beverly got bumped from the screen, just carry all of that was kind of just out of nowhere. Um, so I think that one obviously looked a lot worse, right? When you just look and you compare the two, just from your eye test, you go, damn, that one was, that one was pretty crazy. I agree with you though. I think I, I don't think this was like, like a dirty foul by, by Patrick Beverly. I think it just kind of happened. And in today's NBA, it's hard for that to happen. That Chris Paul, Patrick Beverly foul to happen and for it not to be a flagrant, just the way that they call flagrants all the time now, but I didn't see that, that that was malicious at all. I just think it looked bad. And then Crowder's was more interesting to me because if you if you watch the slow-mo, he, he actually was looking at Paul George after the release to, to kind of almost ensure that he made some contact. So it seemed to me that he was trying to hit him in the face, not necessarily poke him in the eye or do anything, but I think that's what ended up happening, right? He caught him like on the eyelid, mm-hmm. um, just above the eye. And that one, you know... It was weird why that one wasn't called like, for instance, like going back to the the Draymond one against LeBron in the play in games. Draymond, like they reviewed that one, but this one with Paul George, I, it wasn't reviewed. Is that what you're telling me? It, it was not reviewed at all. They None. just called it. Huh, man. I mean, there's been so many reviews in this series. It's hard for me to like keep them all in line, but. That one definitely should have been looked at. I mean, it's the same play, like I'm saying, with the, with the LeBron and, and, and Draymond play. I don't know why they wouldn't take a look at that one.
0: I agree. And uh, again, I know people that listen to this show, you guys know how hard I've been lobbying for Paul George. And just, you know, I think people need to understand that, like, Paul George leading the playoffs in minutes and Booker's second and it's a it's a it's a long second in this like paul george has played 150 like six more minutes than devin booker has played in the playoffs he's playing his ass off and it's like there was one point during game 5 where it's like van gundy and mark jackson can can you just pick a side cuz for for 2 minutes they will just paul george is the superstar of this team and he needs to step up he is not playing to his capabilities well, that and then so funny. But then it's the greatness of Devin Booker and what he brings to the Phoenix Suns team. And then it's like, Paul George, okay, he takes a breather in the third quarter. He's played every minute except for three minutes in the whole game. And Mark Jackson's like, see, your superstar player should be, should be begging Ty Lue to get back into the game. You're, you want your superstar player to get back into the game. Paul George, what are you doing? And I'm like, can the guy take a breather without getting cri- criticized? What, Paul George, it doesn't matter what you do. I really wish... I really wish that Paul would just be more Patrick Beverly-ish. Like I love when people boo Patrick Beverly. He loves it. He embraces yeah, the he villain. Wants he wants all the smoke, right? Like even on the on the Chris Paul flagrant, he went and sat like as close as he could to Phoenix Suns fans. Boo me, throw something at me, please. <laughs> right. So, again, I don't I don't know what Paul George is going to have to do to get people to just realize his greatness and what he's done this playoff series being without Kawhi Leonard and Ibaka and Zubak. I don't think Zubak's going to play tonight. I think this this whole game is just going to come down to who plays harder. And the one thing I've noticed in every one of the games is like his first quarter. If you're if you can hit shots in the first quarter, it looks really well. It looks really good. Game one, Phoenix came out blasting, you know, doing really well in the first Clippers in game five, really well in the first Boogie again. Another solid game from Boogie. I think that adjustment with Ty Lue and, and look, let's say something about adjustments. Everybody's saying the same thing about Ty Lue. We're seeing how great he is, right? He is a great coach. The adjustments that he's made, the tinkering of the lineups, the substitutions, the, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing when Luke Kennard gets in the day, gets in the game. It's a green light and Luke's getting good looks at the, at the hoop. Didn't knock him knock too many down in the last game, but he got good looks and you know what? He gets three or four of those looks and then, okay, it's not happening. You're pulled team man. You're back in, but let's see what you got to do. You've noticed Rondo's not playing, but as soon as Saric gets in the game, it's like, all right, boogie, come do your thing now a
1: smart move finally because he was bullying all your small ball guys when you would go small in that rotation right facts
0: um but it's like every outlet wants to just praise Lu so much and you should he deserves it but again these adjustments don't work if your players aren't playing your players have are the guys that have to play in the game and convert on these adjustments so as much praise as you're giving Ty Lu, I really want you to give that to Reggie Jackson and to and to Paul George and to everybody that's actually making this shit work. Even the Boogie 11 minutes. Now, Boogie, as we both know, as we say a lot, like if Boogie gets those first two or three to go in, shit, he might be jacking a couple up. He did jack a three. <laughs> and, and rightfully so. I guess if you're working, you know, you deserve the rock. He just physically can't keep up with a lot of these players. He can't pl- he can't move laterally with with DeAndre when the switch comes, like how Zubak used, was on you know Luca, or when CP gets Zubac, uh, and it's lunch meat for them. Boogie ha- stands no chance in that aspect. But knowing when to bring him in and take him out, Ty has been great at um, the confidence that that the, the, the squad's playing with. And right now, we literally just we have to leave it all on the court, and we're seeing that with. You know, the, what we're doing with T-Man, starting him, it's the second year in the NBA, and this kid's really blossoming in front of our eyes. I'm just so proud of these these guys, man. And I, th- I think we're going to see a lot of the same thing tonight. I think it's going to be the same small ball starting unless unless Monty comes with some adjustment in his own with the starting lineup, which I don't know what it would be. I mean, I think their starting five is pretty set.
1: Uh, it's when you yeah, get into the bench. I don't think they're going to change that. I don't think right. they're going to change that.
0: And you know like what I, to I know we're talking a lot about the clippers. I also want to say something else like yo cam Johnson, you're nice, bro, you're nice, you're gonna be a great pro for the next fifteen years. I really think so campaign you know if he's not hitting, he's not bringing a lot to the not a lot to the game
1: well his injury really changed I think changed a lot for the series. Chris Paul hasn't been the same Chris Paul since the covid thing right He came back was super rusty in game three, got a little bit better in game four and in game five, but he's not still not himself. you can see. I think he's getting winded. I think his 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 legs are are, are kind of running away from him in second halves, and, and a lot of his long jumpers are short. You know, especially on the, some of these open threes, you're like, oh, that's cash, and it's just not happening for him right now. Uh, and so, like having that happen, and then campaign rolled his ankle, which was gnarly. And I, you know, kind of hats off for him getting back on the court as fast as he did because that was like a full turn that was not pretty, but that was a huge thing for that series. I think for the Clippers. Because he was good. He was playing. Am- I mean, game two, that that was unbelievable stuff out there. And th- there's a good chance that he doesn't get back to that level. If he's hampered by that ankle injury because a lot of his success on offense comes from him being so quick. And then he can make you know, decisions he can get by people. And then because he's so quick, they have to stay off him. And that's when he can get his three point shot going. Uh, but if he's not going to have that like electric first step, that rocket step and be able to have confidence to go to the rim, I, it's a different lineup in, intensely when like each one more comes in, for instance. It's, it's a huge drop off there from offensive productivity. I think each one's probably a better defender than Cam, but Cam's pretty lanky also for his size. He's got some long arms and stuff. Anyway, I think that was a big deal um having him roll his ankle and it's just the you know the continuous injury bug uh that has plagued these playoffs is not leaving at this point apparently we might like you (laughs) I think you you posted and you said before you said Saric has a good chance of being uh the finals MVP but I like legitimately there's a chance that we have a finals that doesn't have all like any stars a part of it which may be the first time ever that we would have something like this where two teams make it to the finals, but are like short (laughs) their best player, which is a real possibility uh, for any of these teams. But for Phoenix, the, the additional uh, aspect of this also is Booker clearly not okay with the mask. Right. So all of this campaign rolls his ankle. Chris is still trying to acclimate from uh, you know, the, the COVID thing. And then Booker's just not, not comfortable in the mask and i get it man very few guys embrace it very few guys you know enjoy it and then i think what i saw was that he actually reached out to rip hamilton i don't know if you saw this as well which makes a lot of sense it's a great phone call a great guy to reach out to but rip fell in love with that thing you know i you know i would i hopefully book was not just talking to rip like talk to ray allen talk to all these guys that that are shooters that have experienced this that had to wear a mask and Um, but you saw it, I think it was what was in game four in the third quarter. He just took it off. And today I was watching Jalen Jacoby and Jacoby who's broken his nose a shit ton just said, fuck it. He said, he said, just take the mask off. Just don't play with the mask. You're going to have some sort of surgery or something, or you're not, but you're also going to be playing basketball for the next 10 years, most likely. So guess what? It might happen again. So just fuck it. You know, at this point say, fuck it. And if they hit you in the face, then deal with the pain. Uh, But I do think, I mean, he ended up with 31 points in game five, but I do think that is also something that's happening on top of the fact that Patrick Beverly is just working his ass off and making him earn every single inch on the court. Uh, But for the, for the Suns, it is kind of like, like almost a perfect storm where you just have, everyone's just a little bit uncomfortable right now of the key players, the players that helped them advance to this stage. And you got to think that the Clippers might be able to capitalize it, which is crazy but not that crazy because you guys are strong. You guys are playing. You know, I think you know, Reggie's punching up above his his weight class for sure. And if Morris is going to have another game, I think honestly, if we're being realistic about this, if you're going to win Game Six and win this series, Morris needs to be more consistently playing like he did in Game Five. I think that's really the where the where the the hope lies for you guys. And I I do think that there's a, there's a really good chance because of this random these random things that are happening to the key players on the Suns for you to take advantage of this opportunity and win game seven and, or game six and then possibly game seven.
0: I mean, the one, the one good thing is that we beat them in Phoenix, right? We finally beat them in their house and seeing the fans leave was one of the best moments ever. Just seeing <laughs> them leave with two minutes to go. Cause that's a rowdy ass bunch. I respect, I respect, yeah. I, I know a few Suns fans and I actually, you know, uh, IG lived a few of them that follow us to talk to them after the game. Again, I like to talk a little bit of my shit too. So uh, winning one in Phoenix, like it's in our head now. If we can get this to seven, yo, like we we can pull this off. We're at home tonight. We need the, the, we need the energy tonight. And like you said, Drew, I don't necessarily think Morris has to have 20 at halftime to win but we need him to hit consistent shots luke Kennard, when you come in i need consistent shots even getting the few buckets from patrick beverly if you can knock down two threes and get a couple to to the hoop that's what we need team man if we can get you doing that take a little bit of the load off of paul george um but I'm, i'm confident man and again if this doesn't work out the way I want it to be, I'm still extremely happy to be a Clipper fan. I do want to say something, though, uh, something that stands well with things that we've said all season is that we have said since day one of this this season starting was the healthiest team is going to win the, the NBA championship. And we're seeing this right now. And then I'm looking to the other side and I'm like, yo, we can we can beat the Bucs. Clippers can beat the Bucs and the Hawks with what we have right now. Like, I know we can beat these guys. They are two beatable teams. Seeing an NBA championship right now, I can see it. If we, I think Phoenix is better than than Milwaukee and Atlanta. I really do. So if we can get past this hump, I really think we have a shot at winning the title. But again, it's we have to win tonight. So moving forward to the other side, uh, the, the the other the other conference, the Eastern Conference, it's now tied up two two. Uh, Milwaukee, Atlanta. We got Trey Hurt who's who's spraining his ankle on a ref. And then we got Giannis, who looks like he blew his knee out last night, but it's a hyperextension. I don't know. I was busy all day today. I don't know if they said an MRI. Like, what did they get it, Drew?
1: They did. Yeah, the, apparently there is no ligament damage. Okay, uh, that's great. He came out with, and he. It just. It's just one of those things where if that was you and me, our legs are fucked. Like I'm amputated, problems. bro. I'm
0: getting an amputation. Yeah,
1: my kneecap is dislocated. All of the things are fucked. But because Giannis is just like. You know, the most pliable freak of nature. He's, he's just his muscles and his bones. They were just like, all right, that was weird, but I think we're okay. Like the fact that he walked off the floor, Giannis, I dude, I was watching it and I, I could, I, when it happened, I just turned away. I, I wasn't, I'm not trying to watch that shit. I watched it once. You know, I, mean, I, I get real squeamish about that stuff. I just can't watch injuries. I don't know. I don't have the stomach for it. I could never be a doctor or, or an EMT or any of that shit. Mm-mm. Um, even when I watch you know my my girl show, Gray's Anatomy, I like the surgery, surgical scenes. I'm I'm out, I'm out. I don't need it. Anyway, I'm I'm watching that and I was just like, oh no. So I stood up, left the room. But when I saw him walking off the floor, I thought it was like a replay of another injury. I thought they cut to a different time. I didn't think that the, he would be able to walk off the court and then walk back as if he was like, I coach, do you need me? Like it's like, no, Giannis, we're down by 20 now. Just go relax and go get an MRI. Go ice it. That series, the, the Bucks and the Hawks series, was really fun until those injuries happened. And like when Trey went out, it was a huge deflated moment for the Hawks. You could see it. Uh, and then when Giannis went out, the same thing happened for the Bucks. Like, it was just like, well, fuck. <laughs> but hey, can we do something real quick? Can you and me, can we clap it up? Can we clap it up together real quick for the Bucks offense? For, for my, finally! Can we clap that up? Just, I, just for a second, because there is some positives here in this series. And they finally made an offensive adjustment to utilize Chris Middleton more and have Giannis be a screener and involved in an offensive play a lot more. And I just had to say, it brought a huge smile to my face to see the start of the series go like that. And Giannis isn't backing up and then going in and backing up and going in. It only in. took four years, Drew. It only took four years to figure this out. Kootenholzer's like, you guys, you guys think I didn't have this. I had this in the back pocket the whole time. I just needed the right moment. What, and a pick and roll? Was, like, can we just run a pick and roll? <laughs> and and Middleton is flourishing. Drew Holiday, huge first game performance. Of course, they ended up losing that first game. Mm-hmm. But you can see he he was very intent in the first two games on, like, getting himself going. He didn't have the best uh, last two games offensively. But, you know, it, we're seeing more of the Drew Holiday that we're used to on the offensive end. And, man, you know, it, it just it does feel pretty shitty like that we're sitting here and it's 2-2 and 3-2. But none of the big boys are going to be playing outside of Paul George. And then, yeah, the Suns, like you said, are the, the healthiest group, even though, chris paul just had covid devin booker snapped his nose in half and campaign is still rolled like even despite all of that they're still the healthiest team
0: it's a crawl to the finish line drew it's it's literally a
1: crawl to the finish line (laughs) yeah it is it feels like a gauntlet and these guys are just like fuck can we survive can we survive Mm -hmm. and that is that's the question i think that each team is asking themselves now so the prognosis for both trey And for Giannis seems to be pretty up in the air. I said like I I mean they already reported that Giannis isn't going to be playing in the next game. But if the way that Trey his ankle the way that his ankle rolled was so odd, because I just bent like it bent forward, which Mm -hmm. is a really odd like I don't even know what that muscle is there on that part of your foot, but that can't be comfortable. And if they said he has a bone bruise we know that those, you know, that that, that doesn't heal very quickly. And it also it would be, I would assume, probably where he ties his laces up, right? So if he ties them too tight or if someone, you know, steps on his foot, which happens a lot in, in playing basketball, it could mean further injury or like a lot of pain or something. Uh, so who knows if he's going to play? But look, man, I think at this point, if we're looking at these teams um, without Trey and without Giannis, the last game game four has to be a huge confidence boost for the hawks because and and i finally got the nickname for our boy kevin hurt tell him tell him red velvet it is oh, great. it is the best i i found it two weeks ago i brought him up uh, whatever two or three pods ago and i finally i finally got the name down red Velvet. what is and that velvet <laughs> exactly coming to america shout out and then they're also calling him not kevin but K on love it Herter. that's that's all <laughs> it's fantastic Atlanta is just bringing it all out right now. It's fantastic. So, but, but because of how well he played kind of uh, handling the ball for them, which was surprising, he didn't have like the best shooting night, but how calm he was on the ball and how he was facilitating. I think he had eight or nine assists in that game. He doesn't Um, look shook at all, Drew. Like he just looks like he's
0: been there before. And And I think he's the best defender.
1: I think he's the best defender that the Hawks have now that Hunter... Hunter, you know, also is gone for this team, Jesus. Mm. Um, but you know, I think he would be their best defender normal in normal circumstances. But Herder's, you know, not scared to guard Middleton. He he bodies, he tries to body up against Giannis. Uh, I think he does pretty well against Drew when all these switching and things happen. So, uh, it, but it leads me to this question. So, like, we're talking about these two teams potentially without their their stars. If you had to call it, who do you think is? is going to come out of that. If, if just for instance, Giannis and Trey don't play for the rest of the season. Hawks
0: Hawks they They, they have so much. I mean, look, man, the, the Gallo pickup, the Lou Williams, these guys have been there before and they're bucket getters. And when you have a herder,
1: huge in that last one,
0: huge. And I've seen Lou do this all the time. And it's like, okay, Trey goes down, but Lou's been here before. He can get the buckets and again, Gallo, and you've got a gr- really good big man in, in Capella. And John Collins is turning into a I'm going to get my bag kind of guy. He turned down his extension for a reason. And, and he, I would love a John Collins on my team. I think he, Lakers would love a John Collins on, on, your, on your team. Um, I just think they have more firepower and more in the tank. Like, I don't know why Snell doesn't play at all either. I don't know what his deal, because he can knock down a he three. Didn't, he, didn't t- he hasn't gotten a minute. A minute, and Not I'm a little. Minute, I don't think. No, and I'm a little shook at that because he's another bucket getter that that can put up jumpers and hit shots, and I think maybe we'll see him a little more. But look, this is this is the sad thing: is like we were at the precipice of like, wow, Trey Young might just be he might be the next guy up. I compared it, and maybe I'm a little overboard on this, Drew. But we, this these this past month with Trey Young was very like Linsanity ish. Okay, not as much hype i guess because we know trey young is a very good basketball player but just the numbers he's putting up he's the smallest dude on the court uh jackie McMullen said on on bill's pod and she she told this story of like trey was in eighth grade and like they had heard the the varsity team the high schools have been hurt heard about him there's an aau tournament one of the coaches was like we should you know you should try this trey young guy out and Trey comes to the the practice or the warm up, whatever it was, and like hop to the front of the line (laughs) to like take shots and like pick me first. Like I'm I'm the guy up, and like the team laughed laughed at him. And then the next day he did the same exact thing. Point being that Trey Young thinks he's the best player on the court at all times, and those are the kind of that's the attitude that you need. That's that Steph Curry thing. That's that KD thing. Where like look, I am the best player on the court now. He's also turning into an extremely cocky player on the court, right? Like, I'm not a I hated the shimmy. I hated the shimmy. You did? I okay. I I you know I love shit talking. Okay. Um, I thought the shimmy was a little much, and I, I really liked how Giannis went to the bench. It was like, yo, do you see what this guy's doing in our house? Like he's shimmying, right? I also feel that there has been probably I think I had three three times written down where Trey Young deserved attack. Like he is berating officials often, right? And we're talking about a guy, a young cat, and he's out there pointing fingers, screaming at the refs. And he's not the only one. Again, this goes, I am so unbiased in this situation. I think the players are talking way too much. Clippers, Suns, Hawks, Bucks, everybody's screaming at the refs at all times, right? Every whistle. Every Every freaking whistle, right? Yep. It's not as bad as the Lob City Clippers, but like yo, it's getting there. Devin Booker's complaining about everything. Uh, yeah. Chris Paul obviously is doing the same thing. Paul George just can't get a freaking call, and he's just like, can 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 I just get one right? <laughs> and and then of course Patrick Beverly, but missing Trey Young on this on this ride that we've been watching him with. He's been growing on both of us. We're not we weren't too too big fans of Trey, but seeing what he's done uh, with this squad, and I think trusting your players. If you're going to be a point guard and a superstar in this league, like you have to trust your guys and you have to get, you know, guys like Gallo and Lou, they need jumpers. They need shots. Like I need to get a couple. And if Gallo's going, everybody's going right. Right. And you gotta feed Capella once in a while, even though he really doesn't want that. But he can get his buckets off of trash and whatnot. But John Collins needs the rock, and Trey's gotten a lot better with that. It's not just pulling up from thirty-five feet and jacking threes. And the quickness this guy has of getting to the rack, drawing fouls. He's the smallest dude on the court.
1: That off the backboard pass to Collins. That I mean, that's a perfect example of that, right? Because I think I think. Even at the beginning of this year, he shoots that floater. He doesn't consider easily the pass. He wants to go for the two points, but because he's changed his mentality over the course of this season, he goes, you know what would be dope? Even more dope than me hitting a dope floater is me throwing this off the fucking backboard and John Collins, dunking all over Brook Lopez. You see how they're talking
0: about the floater a lot more now. Yeah. They're talking about, they're saying it might be one of the most lethal plays. Now I think it's a situation. It, and I was, I've been a big fan of the floater since Mark Jackson. That was his signature go-to the teardrop. But with Trey, it makes it so much harder to read because he can, you got two guys catching lobs and Capella and Collins. And then you have Trey who actually shoots at a high clip from, from uh, the teardrop. And it makes it really hard to guard. It gets defensive players to fall to back off on you. Yeah. And, and, then when they get up on you, you can just throw it high. For we've seen how many alley oops Collins has caught.
1: Yeah, it's the perfect evolution to finishing the pick and roll. Right, yeah. the pick and roll is the it's the best basketball play ever created. It, it's that's why it's still being used at the as you know as the staple of most offenses uh and and the and the floater is the perfect evolution to that because this space it just manipulates the entire space whereas before most guys just going downhill they're either going to pull up for a mid-range you know stop at like the elbow or something or they're going to go all the way down and dunk on you and all those are still options but having the floater it's a completely different shot because you don't have to get into the rhythm and You know, pick the ball up with two hands. You can just take it right off the dribble, and you're in your floater. It's it's a split second. So, and he's definitely mastered that. I I think he's got to have the best floater, the best floater game, is what everyone (laughs) says. But I I mean, it's it's the truth. I mean, there's no denying that. And every every guard, every ball handling guard, has to have that in their bag. If you're if you're going to be in the NBA, you have to you have to work on it. You have to develop it. And John Morant is on his way developing it. You can see him working on that because. Before he was just like, oh, I'm I'm turning that corner, I'm dunking on everybody. Mm-hmm. But now in the league, you go, well, there's a lot of bodies in there that that also can jump. So maybe I, let me use this floater so that I can, you know, manipulate that space. But so Trey being out for this game and pe- perhaps the next game, it made me think like, and it was hard for me to 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 get to the answer. Who's the second best player on the Atlanta Hawks, right? And it's crazy. I mean, we we understand. You want me to that, answer that? You know, maybe similar. Maybe similar to the Clippers, it, it can happen like on a nightly basis. Someone can pop up and be the second best player, but on a consistent basis. And I was thinking to myself, like, who is it? Who's the best? Who's the best player? Is it John Collins? Is it is it, is it Kevin Herter? Is it Bogdanovich? It's Lou. Is it Danilo? It's, is it, it Lou Danilo Williams. when Danilo is cooking? I
0: think it's Lou Williams. I think Lou Williams is the second best player on that team. That's what oh, I really... you would say that. No, I do.
1: I do, no. man. Nah, man. Lou, 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 Lou is nice, bro. Lou is real yeah, nice. He's a great offensive player, but I don't. I mean, I, he's not the second Bogdan's, but anyway, Just it, Bogdan's it, it hurt. Bogdan, yeah, exactly. I, I would say, I would say, most likely healthy Bogdanov is just probably their second best player. C- confident Red Velvet though is a is a beast. Confident Red Velvet's a beast. He's got to be in the conversation, and mm-hmm. I think that's a cool thing for the Hawks, right? It's like it's an interesting I, thing. Like if they really are a team. And and it is hard to like pinpoint who's their second best player, right? And like, you know, on the Suns, we know that. On the Bucks, we know that. On the Clippers, we know that. I mean, no, we I'm, don't. We, well, no, but assuming everyone's healthy, right? It's okay. Kawhi and Paul George, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just assuming everyone's healthy. But yes, it like I said, it is similar to the Hawks situation as the Clippers right now without Kawhi. It's like, okay, who's the second best player on the Clippers in this current <laughs> roster availability that you have? So it, I don't know. I, so you you think Lou Williams is honestly the second best player on the Hawks? I love Lou Williams, bro. Yeah. So maybe yeah, maybe no. Look, like
0: I said, a confident Red Velvet. We're seeing, the, and he's not going to get a lot of the publicity because he's Red Velvet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's a white boy, ginger white boy. That people, he's not marketable. You know what I mean? Like, but he is like the confidence that I'm seeing in him every single game. He can hit. He could take it to the rack. He could yeah. play good defense. and he doesn't take dumb handles
1: got decent handles and and he doesn't take dumbass shots right I think so like moving forward in the series we know Giannis is going to be out we don't know whether or not Trey's going to be out for the next game if Giannis is out and Trey plays I think the Hawks have to be favored pretty substantially if both guys are out I think it's going to be a you know a pretty interesting match to kind of see who's who's hitting right it could it could just come down to like all right. Well, who's actually gonna who's gonna take this opportunity out of everyone on the court? Anyone? Giannis, can be the leading score for either team,
0: if Giannis doesn't play like this, is you're gonna need that Bryn Forbes game from the, the series, series prior, you know, like or two series ago, whenever it was. You're gonna need the Bryn Forbes game. You're gonna need Lopez, which is so weird to say. You're gonna need Lopez to actually give you buckets. You're gonna need if you know Middleton's gonna have to be the guy that drops thirty plus, and he can. He definitely. Right. You know who else I like on there is Bobby Portis. Like, give yeah. Bobby Portis some time; uh, he'll at least give you energy. And he's not. He's. I like him. Another guy like John Collins that I would love to have on my team. But I think you're right. It's going to be a dogfight, Drew. It's going to be a dogfight if both these cats aren't playing.
1: Uh, yeah, and I, I, I think you know something that got a lot of notoriety as well was uh, what uh, Perkins, Kendra Perkins was saying about how Giannis is is the Robin and Middleton is the Batman. And you can say that, and it's nice to say, but it's not easy to, to necessarily find that out when both guys are on the court healthy. So if, if, you, if Perkins thinks that Middleton is Batman, time for Batman to show up now, right? Robin's gone. So Middleton, aka Batman, he's going to have to be the guy that goes, I can drop 38 without Giannis on the court. I can do that on my own. And, and if he does that, I think the Bucks will win. But it's going to be interesting to see because now that Giannis is completely out, they have a totally different look. Their flow, their offense, all that stuff is going to be different. I think Middleton's going to have his opportunities because, as we said, Herter's probably the best defender on the Hawks, which is saying a lot, but it's not really saying that much because we're not saying that Herter's the clamps. He's not Tony Allen out there. (laughs) No. Right? So we know that Middleton should be able to take advantage of whoever's defending him. And I do think that will kind of be what what dictates – uh who who comes out of of game five in that series and we know that whoever wins game five is in series typically uh, series that are even series that are oh, two two
0: oh, I'm about to jump on you right those there.
1: that those that win game five win the series 85 percent of the time
0: hey to what perk said i get what perk is saying i i understand that even though most of the time i don't know what the hell he's saying in his tweets he's hilarious i, I get it but like dude what's up with the food all the time like 12 piece nuggets and we got it's like, what are you, what are you using in your, in your reference to the basketball game? I get what Perk is saying, but guess what, Perk? Like, a two-time MVP, two-time defensive player of the year will never be a Robin, okay? I understand what you're talking about. Giannis is still Giannis. And trust me, Middleton def- has had very bad games, too, in the playoffs. So, um, again, it's going to be a dogfight, just like this game in the, the, the Clippers-Suns game tonight. It's going to be a dogfight. It's going to come down to just who wants it more. And typically... The Suns in the back of their head know that they got game seven at Phoenix, in Phoenix, going back home. So sometimes you might not bring everything you got to this game. Chris Paul in the back of his head is 3-1 in the back of his head, playing on repeat constantly. I know he wants to win this game. I know he wants to get the stigma of the 3-1 thing out of him. But then there's also, there's also this, and I'm, I'm sorry we're going back to the Clippers, but there is something special. There's something special going on with with these boys, man, and this playoffs. Just back against the wall. It happened in round one. It happened in round two, and it's happening in round three. If this goes to a game seven, also, I'd like to know like how many games we've played since the beginning of the playoff, like games played in days off. Like how many games have we mm-hmm. played in this certain amount? We are gassed, man. I know, and this is not an excuse at all, but we are freaking gassed. Two game sevens in both series. Hopefully this one goes a game seven two, like we said earlier, like crawling to the finish line is what these guys are doing. So really quick before we finish, cause game starts in in, tw- in 25 minutes and I got to do my pregame routine. I have some prayers, some meditation. I got to do <laughs> adjustments. So is there any adjustments going into game six that you would want to see Monty do for the Suns, Or do you, do you think everything's going to stay status quo in this game tonight?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think Aiden had his first, like, questionable game of the series, right, in, in game five. So I don't think you need to turn away from that or, like, go small necessarily just because it didn't work for one game out of the series. I would say he's going to be more active. I would say if there, any, if there is any adjustments, it's going to be getting him low post touches when he is rotated off of onto Terrence Mann or the guys that he should be able to just drop step and go up to the rim. That would be the only adjustment. I don't think it's necessary that you have to make any roster changes. Um, The only other thing would be if campaign is not able to be himself out there moving, I think he hurts the team more than he helps the team. So like if he, if he's, if he's hampered by that ankle, And you get him out there and you can see it's just not happening. I would I would have a short leash on campaign because if it's fine, like if he's moving fine, then obviously let him do his thing. He's been he's been amazing for the team. But I think if he's not trusting it and if it's not happening, you got to you got to sit him and you got to ride Chris Paul for until the wheels fall off. Uh, I think that's just what's going to happen Um, but other than that, I don't think there's any, any real adjustments that they need to make. I think that's the, the nice part about the Suns is that they, they are, they know their rotations. They know where people are and they're still, they're still winning this series three to two. Right. So I don't think they need to turn away from anything just because they lost, you know, that last game, they've lost two games now.
0: So this is actually going to go into my final thought. Okay. And this is my final thought. The last thing that I want to happen tonight in tonight's Clipper game is I do not want the referees to dictate the outcome of this game. And for whatever reason, like, there's this thing in the back of my head that just sees – Paul George getting a quick two fouls in the first quarter and and it fucking up the rest of our game. Same goes for Devin Booker or Chris Paul getting two quick ones really fast. I don't want that to happen. This is going to be a very aggressive game. There's obviously beef between this these teams. Everybody knows the history. There's been flagrant fouls uh, left and right in this game or malicious plays, whatever it is. I just don't want the referees to dictate the game. And it's been obvious. They have missed a lot of of, of, of calls. They've missed a lot. Game-changing type calls, mostly towards the Clippers side, but I just want this to be a fairly played game. I want no—I f- I mean, a foul's a foul. If you—if you—if you foul, you foul. You get—you're gonna get the call. I don't want the referees blowing the whistle early. Let these guys come out and play Game Six, both sides, and I just don't want—I don't want anybody in foul trouble on both sides, beginning of the game.
1: Yeah, it's it's the worst when. When the refs are, are too tight with the whistle, we know that. I actually think the refs have been doing a pretty good job. I think they've been letting, I mean, certainly in this series, there's been a lot of physical play, and I think the refs are managing it very well. So I will say that I have to kind of pat them on the back. We've seen, there's definitely have been, you know, very questionable calls or no calls like any postseason, but I think this one's done, they've done a pretty good job here um, on, throughout the playoffs, honestly. I haven't really had too many complaints about the refereeing, but yes it is going to be one of those things where Chris and Patrick Beverly, especially they like to push the envelope with physicality right in the beginning of the first quarter. And then they kind of set the precedent, right? So like, if you, if you let me get away with that one in the first quarter, you better let me get away with that same thing in the third and the fourth. So I will, it will be interesting to see if if one of those refs out there tries to like nip that in the bud and call a couple quick ones. To go we're not actually not going to let that play because by the time it gets to the fourth quarter this could lead to technical fouls and and you know players being done with the physicality but yeah I'm, my, I'm i'm with you there i don't i don't want it to be paul george on the bench or book or aiden i just let's let's play the game also i want to say something in closing as well and i know you do you have a
0: final thought you want to get out i do yeah okay you know how much i love cp i do i love yeah. i love chris paul i love him so much i felt so bad posting the memes on our page but it had to happen right and the memes were great i didn't think did you think there was a paul george push off
1: on that or it was, a, it was acting job i think i think paul george got got a normal nudge the standard chris right i think chris fell a little bit i think that i think it was a combo right it just i think paul george nudged him off balance and then it was like oh nope i don't i can't recover from that so I do think it was a combo. I don't think it was like the dirtiest crossover ever. I'm not gonna no. sit there and go like, "Oh my god, like he broke his ankles." No, I mean, it was a stop
0: on the dime behind the back. It wasn't even yeah.
1: actually a crossover. Right. Exactly. And so yeah. So I I do I think Chris fell, but I also think Paul George got a little bit in there. But I mean that's that's gonna happen on every every move that an offensive player makes.
0: But I made sure on our page to let people know. it Would have been a whole different narrative if it was the other way around. And that's and that's real real that talk. Is real. If, if, if Paul George got busted ass out of the frame, it would have been viral video all day long. Final thoughts, Drew, what you got?
1: Uh, my final thoughts are, why, why do we have the coach conversations in between the quarters? I hate it. I hate why it we, so much. Wh- what is it doing? What is it doing? We, ask, we have to ask them one question or two questions or three questions, and then we take away from... The actual game, and I'm looking at Rachel Nichols and Ty Lue, instead of like the layup that we just missed in the, in the beginning of the of the quarter. I just I understand they're like trying to you know provide some insight, but they're asking these softball ass questions. It's like, well, you know, here's the stats, coach. You you let them shoot 52 from three. What do you need to do in the in the second play quarter? defense? That's what we got to play. Like, well. We have to do a little bit better job of closing out that space. We can't let them catch those threes that easily. And you know they've been shooting them well, but hopefully we'll miss some. I think that's what we're going to do in the second half. It's like, okay, this is just a waste of time. So that's that, my final thoughts. Is let's figure some else. Something I'll else tell to you. I, I I like. Here's what I like when they when they cut to the the would up coach in the huddle. Mm-hmm. I like that more, even though it's the yeah. same softball ass bullshit, and we don't ever very we very rarely hear anything insightful. But at least. The, that audio, you can put that somewhere or even have it being played over the top of the game while the game's happening, just have it playing just the audio. I would, I would, I'm for that. But these taking the coaches away from their team and not letting them during a timeout talk coach to their, their team, team. And coach the team. Mm-hmm. And then also having it be a useless conversation. It's just a waste of time. No coach, you can tell that no coach by their
0: body language wants to be doing those interviews. Not one. You want to know a, a cool way to fix that? Get Yogi Farrell. Get one of the dudes riding the bench. Interview or an him. An assistant coach. Or an assistant coach. But ask, you know, interview one of the players. What do you think is going on? Well, shit, Devin Booker's giving us the business right now. Maybe we need to step it up on him a little bit. You know, CP's getting away with the flag or foul, but I didn't say anything. You didn't hear it from me on the bench. It'd be either get rid of it, like you said, or continue the audio. You get way more insight to what the coach and what the team's doing when the coach is mic'd up.
1: Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, I think that's the easiest way to do it. And I don't, I don't really understand why, other than to validate having Rachel Nichols in the arena, right? (laughs) They have to, they have to make sure that Rachel and like Chris Haynes have something to do. So, okay, we'll do that. We'll have to do this. And I will say, I, I was for it. Back when it was Craig Sager and Popovich. Those, that shit was hilarious. And I do think there, there are tiny gems that happen within these exchanges that are hilarious or, you know, just really interesting. But it, they're so few and far between. And most of the time, it's just nonsense. And the coach is losing. And he's fucking pissed. And it just doesn't make any <laughs> and sense. And he doesn't want to talk to you. No, no.
0: <laughs> I'm totally with you on that. All right, uh, real quick. Who's winning tonight, Drew? Who you got? Clippers,
1: Suns, who you got? So this game is in Los Angeles. L.A., baby. I think the supporting cast for the Clippers is going to be very good tonight. That's what I'm that's what I'm I don't like that right. answer, Drew. Don't Paul be George, around the bush. I'm giving you an answer, and I'm explaining why I'm choosing oh, it. Okay. The Clippers are going to be, I think, good top to bottom. I think Paul George is going to be good. I don't expect him to have another 40-piece but I expect him to be just as good as he has been this entire postseason. And I think the Clippers win a tight one because uh, Phoenix is still trying to get their shit together after all these discombobulated parts that have have gone the the wrong way for them uh, in the beginning of this series. I'm with that. I'm with that. Only time will tell, Drew. We have 15 minutes till
0: tip-off. I will either be zero dark 30 for the next two days or I will be lit on our Instagram page. So it is the follow-through with Clips and Drew. We're coming back soon, y'all. And we're ghosts. You know what it is, you know what it is, you know where you're at. This is the